This episode of The Huddle is brought to you by the Athletic Club Oakland, my go-to sports bar in the East Bay. This will be a shock to no one. I love watching sports, and I love it even more while at a sports bar. But to be honest, there was a long period of time where I just couldn't find one I really liked. I'd hit a spot that had TVs, but the food sucked ass, or a place that had good food, but they wouldn't show the game I wanted, and the inside felt dark and depressing. It was always some trade-off or sacrifice, and that's done now. The ACO is exactly what I'm looking for. They have a huge space, including an outdoor spot where they shut down an entire street and called it the town gardens. They have more than 100 televisions, which can and will show every game you ask for, and they have great food. The ACO has everything. You need to comfortably watch your favorite team in any sport at any time with passionate fans. I love it, and I'm pretty damn sure you will too. The Athletic Club Oakland, where sports fans get everything they want every day they want it. We're going to bring you on to our huddle. You're in. We're in huddle with me, Bram. No Marcus today, but with me per usual, my master. Sound and video. Maxine. How's it going? Maxime, full house today, dude. A show that I am really fired up for, even though we're dealing with Steph's injury. I'm still excited for it. Rejoining us, the all-powerful moderator behind a Warrior subreddit page with about a half million members, a Santa Cruz expert who's kept a tight eye on Wiseman, a longtime Warriors guru with an enormous presence on Golden State Pritter, and a man who just wants to know when Draymond Green will record his next podcast, Mr. Eric Jett. What's going on, Eric? Oh, what's up, Bram? Hey, Maxime. Jay, good to see you. Thanks for having me back. Uh, I don't yeah. know how I keep getting invited back to these things, but uh, I'm oh, glad to be here. Shit, I'll tell you how. Um, before I even go to our next intro, one I'm excited to give, let me give you a fucking compliment. Eric, you are incredibly kind. You're great on this show. You hey, are thanks, funny. Man. You're knowledgeable. All that shit. But recently, and Maxime knows this, Eric reaches out to me with a text. Let me get your address. I just give it to him. Don't ask any follow-ups. You know, it's kind of like this mystery thing. And a pop filter comes uh, comes in the mail. And my first reaction, because I'm not kind, you know, and I would never do that to a friend, I, I give my wife shit. I go, oh, I know what you got me for Hanukkah. I literally threw that out there in the back. And she hits me back with, what the fuck are you talking about? And then I remember that I gave Eric both a compliment <laughs> and shit about him having a pop filter. And it all came in. And Jason, to give you a sense of how thoughtful I am, my only part of this, all I had to do was have the pop filter today. I forgot it. I forgot it at the house. So I'm the least thoughtful person of all time. Um, But I digress. Joining us for the first time in Huddle history, the sports director for Cron 4, where he covers all things Bay Area sports with passion and polish, a host on 95.7, the game's airways, a former member of ESPN, a former sports anchor in North Dakota, Louisiana, and Maryland, and a guy who just may think the NBA referee fraternity is lashing back at Golden State this wow. year, Mr. Jason Dulles. What's going on, Jay? Hey, Brian. Appreciate you, man. Thanks for having me on. Come on, man. It's our pleasure. And if I'm going to start this thing off with compliments, let me give you one. All right. So we've told the audience a little bit about the MVP experience. And I mentioned yesterday that the first part of the MVP experience at Chase is you go up to this kind of sweet level thing that overlooks the rest of Chase Center. And there's the trophy in the ring. When I was up there, when I saw Jason, it's before we knew each other, it's before we had introduced one another. 
And he was asked to do kind of a weird thing, kind of straddle lines from what I can tell. He was up there to do a hit for Cron 4, so he interviewed Franco Finn. But the people who attended that thing were told that we're going to have like a celebrity roast kind of deal. Not a roast, but yeah. we're hanging out. And so in between having to record with uh, Franco Finn and on TV, Jason has to interact with like random ass fans who are just coming up. And his ability to straddle that line, I was watching you, man, and I was impressed. So uh, nicely played. Ah, man, you know, just doing the job. I'm nobody special, you know, just socializing when I can and trying to do what they pay me to do at the best of my abilities at the same time. <laughs> well, last compliment. Both Eric and I tried to convince you to drink with us at, I think, halftime of that game. And you're like, no, fuck you. You, dude, I'm a professional. You know, I'm going to be on television later on. Like, how about we don't get hammered before I go in front of a live audience? No, what I said was if I have a drink and then it feels a little too good when I'm on TV, that's a slippery slope. <laughs> that's, that's actually right. That's exactly right. Uh, we got a bunch of warrior stuff. I need you boys. Um, I don't know what to do with my Steph emotions. I'm all over the board. I got a bunch of questions. But Jason, it'd be crazy to have you on the first time and not find out a little bit about you. And I stalked you kind of, man. And here's one of the things I found out. I know you graduated from the Syracuse School of Public Communications. And I know that you're a huge sports fan, right? And you grew up in Philadelphia. Yeah. So now working as a sports director, covering sports for a living, dream job, man? Is that what you're doing? Oh, yeah, for sure. I'm so blessed, man. You know, I knew I wanted to be a sports journalist of some shape or fashion, probably when I was like a junior in high school, sophomore, maybe, you know, around a time where uh, you have that realization. I think kids who play sports all have that one realization. I'm not going to be able to get paid to play sports. <laughs> well, let me let me do a hard pivot. So when I had that realization, my next my next thing was, all right, how can I go to sporting events for free? and continue just to be entrenched in the sports world. And, you know, I just I would always watch Sports Center and I was like, you know what? I could do that. I could maybe be like a sports anchor or a sports writer. And my parents went to Syracuse. I knew they had an amazing communication school and journalism program. So it kind of just made sense. Let me try to go to Syracuse and do that. And here I am. So, you know, I'm blessed, but man, it's, you know, to know what I wanted to do and be able to identify it at a young age and kind of just shape all my decisions around trying to make a career out of journalism. Eric, Maxime, give me a sense of your personality. So I'll go first and it will be a shock to nobody. I'm terrible. I need therapy. I'm a bad person. I hear somebody else is doing their dream job. I'm immediately jealous and resentful. Just immediately. Especially when he said, ah, oh, and I wanted to go to sports for free. And then he fucking gets to go to sports for free. So like Jason, but right now I'm, I'm jealous of him. <laughs> I feel like you guys are healthier. You know, I mean, I just told you that Eric is crazy kind. So you hear that. You see somebody in their dream job. What's your first thought? Are you happy for him? Or, you know, like maybe a little bit of, uh, I would like that. So I'm kind of pissy about it. Why don't you take us first, Eric? What do you think? Well, you see, I, I'm actually in therapy. So yeah. it's, it's working out. It's working out well for me. Uh, no, I see Jay doing his thing and I love it, man. Uh, my personality, uh, I don't know if I mentioned this in the show before, but the thing that like fills my cup is watching other people have success in the things that they do. So whether it's, you know, watching Jay crush it on TV, get interviews or even you guys hosting your show and getting listen. Um, you know, I, 
you'll see me watching the G League, and part of it's because it's good basketball, and the other part is because it's accessible, and I like watching those guys grind it out and have successes and cheer people on. So I, I think that's like one of the most valuable things in life, most fulfilling things in life. So, uh, you know, I'm a pretty positive individual, pretty easygoing. Um, Jason, I like that I've got my like career on one side and then the sports stuff I do, I don't make any money doing it. And in some ways that's almost super freeing too, because like I don't have much to lose. Um, that's kind of where I'm at. Am I right, Jason, that that answer made me look like the biggest piece of shit possible? <laughs> yeah. Eric is like an angel, to be honest with you. Guys saving people's lives for a living. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. We're all, we're all going to bust out in flames soon. <laughs> I'm telling you. Well, and not just like, no, I'm happy with Jason. No. You know what fills my cup? Other people's happiness. So, Bram, you are terrible. Maxime, um, I think you're probably closer to Eric. You know, you're probably healthier. But what do you think, man? Are you, are you happy for other people's success? Okay. Is anybody, can anybody be put in the same sphere as Eric? That was like the multivitamin <laughs> equivalent of being healthy. Like, I, <laughs> that you, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed to be in your presence. I mean, I'm, listen, I'm happy for Jason. I think that's fantastic. Right. Like I, I'm, I'm fortunate to get to do, um, what I love to do for my day job. So, um, it's not quite the same thing being able to cover sports, being able to be around people that I look up to and, um, draw inspiration from will be on a whole nother level, but I get a little taste of that. So I'm appreciative that, um, that you get to experience that full time. Yeah, and you it. guys are so funny though. My wife's gonna watch. Well, first of all, she's not gonna watch this. But if she did, she'd be like, "Fuck this guy." <laughs> <laughs> well, if it makes you feel any better, I think the audience is currently thinking, "Fuck this guy" right now. But you know, <laughs> no, we're it good, is what man. it is. And uh, Jason, one more question for you. And yeah. we talked about this a little bit at Chase, and I'm really interested to ask it to you. So I know you're a Philly guy, and I know you're a 76ers fan. You grew up a huge sports fan. But I also know that you cover the Warriors and you're smart enough to realize the Warriors success also kind of means your own personal success. The, the, the better they do, you know, the more people who are watching. Right. So when it comes down to it, you know, when the Warriors play the 76ers, who are you rooting for? Whose success Ooh. means more to you right now? Honestly, so I've uh, I've been doing this a decade now and. Specifically, I've been covering the NBA for like four years now on like an everyday basis. And it's done a good job jading me. Like, I'm not, like, as, like, I love the Sixers. I love any Philly team. I want to see them successful. But especially with basketball, because that's really my meat and potatoes, I'm not as invested as I used to be. Because I just know I want to make a career out of covering the NBA. And just, like, frankly, when you want to make a career covering something, you try to detach yourself. Sure. Like, if you notice, you'll see me, like, on Twitter, like, fanboying over the Eagles. Like, you know, I love football, too. And maybe one day, like, my career takes me to a place where I'm covering the NFL. And that could happen. And then I'll probably try to take a step back. But right now, I don't really cover the NFL in that manner as, as specifically as I cover the NBA. So I feel a little more comfortable being, like, a vocal diehard Eagles fan. Sure. Yeah. So for this, honestly – I don't have any rooting interests. Like tomorrow the Warriors are going to play the Sixers. I can cover that professionally. And like, you know, at this point you think probably the Sixers are probably going to win. I might get a little smirk out of it, of course. Uh, <laughs> just because, you know, no Steph, the Warriors have been so bad on the road this year. Uh, the Sixers are actually playing some pretty decent basketball. Um, so I can take myself back, but also like, 
it's good that the Warriors and Sixers aren't in the same conference. So, like, I still watch the Sixers damn near every night on League Pass. Yeah, and sure. Of course, you know, I, I root for their success. And, like, 99.9% of the time, it has absolutely no impact on the Warriors. And it, I'm like, it's perfect for me because I get to cover this Warriors team. And as you said, B, like, the more successful the Warriors are, the better it is for my job. Like, who doesn't love yeah. covering NBA finals and deep playoff runs and winning team and talking to guys after wins and covering guys like Steph Curry is amazing. But it's also amazing because when they lose, I don't lose a second of sleep. Yeah, okay. So, like, it's tough. It's tough yeah. for a lot of you guys because, yeah. like, I'm a, I'm a fanatic too. I'm a Philly sports fan. I know what it's like to see your team lose and get your heart ripped out and like be in a bad mood for like 10 days. But with the Warriors, I can cover them indefinitely and enjoy all their success. But then when they lose, just go to work tomorrow and it's just another day. <laughs> well, to be fair, I don't take the losses that hard because really all I like doing is watching other people. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, like as long as somebody on that floor is doing well, Jason, I'm happy. You know what I mean? And I, I, I draw inspiration from Eric on that side. So we'll always have that. Boy, let's turn to Golden State basketball. And Jason, what we normally do, how we normally start this thing is a segment called The Glass Half Full. And for that, we look back at recent basketball and we give something either we like or don't like about the Warriors. But I'm going to ditch not the segment, but the approach. So we're still doing glass half full, but we find ourselves in a world where Steph Curry is not healthy. So Maxime, if we've got the video, let's go ahead and show it and get out of the way. This is the play where Steph got hurt. And what we're going to do, I'm kind of buying us some time here. What we're going to be doing is I'm going to ask you guys to give me a glass half full on the Steph injury. I need some level of optimism, something I can pull that makes me feel better about this scenario. Um, so we're watching this injury right now. There's Steph leaning down, and here's the close-up. There's the injury. Um, and so the update today, I haven't seen an MRI update, but I did see a Woj bomb suggesting he's going to miss, quote, a few weeks. Uh, here we go. Here's a tweet from Shams, Golden State All-Star Stephen Curry has sustained a labral injury to his left shoulder and will be reevaluated in two weeks. So he's out for at least two weeks. Eric, let's start with you, man. Glass half full. Any optimism you can give me about Steph Curry being hurt? Yeah, if he's if it's a two-week reevaluate, um, if you just accept that an injury has happened and was going to happen, this is maybe the best possible outcome for what, what it could have been two weeks. It's not season ending. It's um, not torn. Doesn't seem to need surgery. Uh, that's my glass half full. How about you, Jason? Can you give us any optimism here? Yeah, for sure. A uh, couple of things. One, it, it might be rough and it might be ugly at times, but this will give other people on a roster an opportunity to step up, i.e. Jordan Poole, who's been up and down all year. Maybe he, mm -hmm. with a bigger role, more shots, maybe the offense going through him a little more, he can develop that consistency. So when Steph comes back, he can be right. Or it could cause them to maybe almost bottom out to a point where the organization gets a little desperate and goes in, in trades for – a big name, uh, someone who can really help the roster. So then you make that trade because you're like, shit, we can't bottom out too much and like be fucked. Even before Steph gets back, yep. we need to get someone else in here. And then when Steph does get back, you kind of have that 
situation where people have been kind of begging for, like, get Steph some help while he's in his prime. Maybe that sparks that. I thought he was going Wemby. <laughs> I, I thought yeah. so, and I was ready for it. And so, I mean, so, but here, so that is the the rosiest way I can view this because I think you you boys are both right. Level one, let's say it's one to two weeks, you know, okay? Then maybe it's the exact, as you said, Jason, it's the exact spur we need for JP. You know, now he's a starter. He knows what his role is going to be. We desperately need him. We've seen how the G League experience propelled him. Maybe the injury propels him. There's that upside. That middle level, you know, maybe he's out for just long enough, but Steph's going to come back, might propel a trade. You know, it might might cause the exact action that a lot of us have been calling for. And then the final, the bottom out, the worst case, you know, if he doesn't come back for a long time, we're in the Wimbanyama sweepstakes. You know, I mean, it's we nobody wants to be there. You have a 500, you know, if your team has the highest payroll in the history of the sport, you don't want to be hoping for the number one pick in the next draft. But, you know, shit, in the how can we be positive about that? There you go. There's some positivity. Um, Maxime, I know that we have kind of left the cupboard bare here. We've stolen most of the available takes. Yeah. But what do you think, man? Uh, any other optimism that you can think of for the Steph injury? Uh, nope. I mean, yeah. it's, that's mainly because I, I agree. You know, I, I'm excited. I think when Steph was out last year, we saw Jordan Poole step up. Uh, that was maybe some of the best basketball we've seen from him until the postseason when we saw some more excellent basketball from him. And I think that's when he warranted his contract uh, that he got th- at the end of the summer. But uh, I mean, I don't know if we want to go to the other side of the equation here, but you know, there's, there's definitely a lot of cause for concern. I think seeing how little uh, this might seem like a tangent, but I swear it's not seeing how little Steve Kerr is inserting Moody into his lineups right now has me concerned mm-hmm. that Kerr doesn't want to mess around with his rotations too much. So, you know, I think if we're going to be seeing Jordan Poole as our sixth man, are we going to get, you know, some some random minutes uh, to insert into Steph's spot so that Jordan Poole is staying on the sixth man spot, right? Like, at what point is Steve Kerr actually willing to play with these things versus just sort of, like, trying to make sure the rotations stay constant? You know I'm vulnerable. What do you have to take one of the one of the optimism things off the table that maybe Jordan Poole won't get propelled? You I, I bastard! Got one, uh, I got one for you, Maxime. It was his left arm, right? His his left is non dominant. Okay, some optimism. all right. There you, you go. go. Thank yeah, you. The, right. pool, the pool situation, I think, is interesting, man, because we saw him get a pretty extended run last year when Steph was injured, but we've also seen people espouse pretty loudly that they feel like the reason why Poole succeeds in the second lineup is because he doesn't draw primary defenders. So it's like in some ways, it's like the fan base is t- is having it both ways on that. Uh, what do you guys think about that? Like, uh, I am though the way I'll capitalize on that. I don't think those concerns are unfounded. And JP's shot selection has been, you know, not incredible. In fact, Eric, I saw a tweet from you that was a meme that was half uh, JP, half Kelly Oubre. You know, you can kill the man, but not the idea. And so. You know, is there a possibility that a complete bright green green light isn't the best of things for a guy who's already struggling with shot selection? Sure there is, but I feel like we're losing the fucking theme on this. You guys are supposed to be making me feel better, not worried about how this is going to completely screw us, man. Um, how'd you guys first taste? So I'll, I'll be transparent. I was having drinks with work associates yesterday, friends too, but principally work. And so, I mean, we're drinking, but it was also, you know, professional. We're dealing with stuff. And then I'm on my phone and I get the news and I got immediately silent and then hell of rude. 
You know, like, so they asked me some softball question about, like, well, how's work going? I was like, I don't know. It's work. And then right back on my phone. So I may have cautioned myself uh, in personal relationships last night. How, how did you guys uh, take it? You know, it happens. You know, you watch it. The, the, the news is clouded at first. We don't need real information. Take me for those first, like, five minutes. How did you guys take it? I was just like, uh, like, as soon as it happened, I was like, he's going to be out for a little bit. You could just tell it wasn't a stinger. And, like, that injury is actually, like, pretty, like, common. You see that? That happens all the time. A help defender tries to, like, sneak in a steal with the driver coming by him and yep. the hand just kind of gets jammed and it messes up your shoulder. I've had, I've separated my shoulder. I broke my collarbone. Mm-hmm. So I've had shoulder issues. My shoulder's still messed up. So I like, I like felt it as soon as I saw it happen to Steph. I was like, damn, they're going to be out. They're fucked. Uh, just hopefully it's like maybe like four to six weeks and not like the eight to 12 weeks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. How about you, Eric? Did you panic? Did you take it well? Uh, pretty similar to Jay, man. As soon as I saw him grab that shoulder, I was like, "All right, we're fucked. Like this is this is not good." Um, I'm I reflecting back on the season when, like, you know, we've been sliding. We're obviously dropping every damn away game, and I've said like pretty. I've been pretty steadfast in saying like I'm not super worried about this team as a whole because I feel like when winning time comes around, I think they're going to pull it together. But the reality is that they're digging a fucking hole that they're going to have to deal with later in the season. <laughs> now that Steph is injured, that's like you don't super, have super nasty. Yeah, for sure. So it's <laughs> like you're looking at that and you're like, God damn, I wish we had not lost all those fucking games before our superstar went out. This is a problem, man. Like, this is a legit problem. Dude, of course, the, um, you know, it's, it's when they lost that game in Utah, right? That turnover at the end for no reason. And at that point, you know, fuck one game is what it is. They'll, they'll figure it out. But now, you know, when he's out for a few weeks and we will have a hole, it's those one games, the loss in Orlando. It's all those little stupid things that shouldn't have happened mm-hmm. that, you know, now they're going to be big things. That's why you know, each one of these games means the same. I, I love the Boston win. It meant the world to me. Also, that win would have meant the exact same amount as if they had just fucking won in Utah. So you know, it's it's an mm-hmm. ongoing process. Maxime, how hard you take it? I mean, my, my buddy, shout out Russ, immediately texts me like, hey, are we in the Wemby Seek Stakes? And I think that's like the, this is a psychologically strange time, right? Because this dude, potentially the number one, you know, the definitely the number one pick will potentially change the face of the league pretty quickly. Uh, and like, you know, we're in these like strange, like Stockholm Syndrome-esque situations where we're immediately justifying it, like maybe it's okay. And that's a strange space for me to be in because I'm watching this person that, doesn't know me from Adam, but like, I love him. I legitimately love him and I'm seeing him in pain. Right. And so I'm having all of these conflicting feelings about this guy that means so much to me being hurt, what it means to the team. And then also like, Oh, but is this actually a good thing? Uh, generally it was a very confusing night for me. <laughs> so you're not alone here. Um, here's some texts I got and I won't share the names. Instead, I'll just characterize them. I'll characterize this as the overreaction quote. The season is done. Fuck this. Let's go for Victor. Uh, this one I'll call the conspiracy theorist quote, the league clearly has it out for the Warriors this year. First officiating. Now this, I think the NBA should be investigated immediately. Um, I know that person listens to the show. You're a psychopath. You're crazier (laughs) than I am. That is definitely not a conspiracy. And then this might be my favorite one. I'll call this one. The man in denial quote, Steph is great at everything. I'm sure he's great at healing. I'm sure he'll be back next game. So apparently this gentleman 
thinks that's that Jim Steph Park, is, right? That's yeah, Jim yeah, Park. <laughs> it must be Professor X. Like he apparently thinks fucking Steph is Wolverine, dude. Like I know, I don't. He could be great at healing, but I don't think he'll be back in Got the a Harry game. Potter Skelly grow. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, shout out oh, to my uh, psychopathic row of friends, but it's a perfect transition. So golden questions. Jason, this is our mailbag, man. Um, it's sometimes personal, always deals with the Warriors. Here's our first. I love the show, but hate your breathing sounds. Let me stop for a second. <laughs> I don't feel like I breathe that deeply into this fucking mic. I don't know. That's a, that's a very specific complaint. Picks up. That said, I need your opinion. Exclamation point. How fucked are we without Steph the God? So this is one question and a, a pretty legitimate complaint. I feel like breathing hella deeply into this mic right now, but I'm going to make it two different questions. And here's the first. Who will be the most important player while Steph is out? Jordan Poole. Why? He's going to take on, and I'm assuming that, are we assuming that Wiggins is going to be out for a little bit more too? That's so, that's a great question. Let's, um, I know Wiggins isn't going to, he's not playing in Philadelphia. Yeah. Let's, let's say he is, um, let's start this question once Wiggins comes back, right? So assume a roster that's full without Steph, who then becomes the most important player? Wiggins, because he's the best two-way player on the team. He can guard players at the point of attack when he wants to, and he can score. Now, obviously, we've seen Andrew Wiggins when he was the number one scorer on a team. It's not great, not ideal, <laughs> but – but I think he can carry that weight for a little bit, especially if he fancies himself an all-star and he's in a better culture of Golden State than he was in Minnesota, obviously, and better mind space. So I think Wiggins would be the most important player to help them keep afloat. But Poole would be a close second. Poole needs to just – he's just doing too much, you know? Like, he's just – it's like he's antsy. And his shot isn't falling. I'm not worried about the shot. You don't just forget how to shoot the basketball in a year. He'll be fine. Uh, he just just needs to slow down a bit. He's almost like how Clay was when he came back last year. Mm, yes. And Clay was just doing too much. And, like, he just needed to take a step back. It's almost like you think maybe Jordan is trying to, like, in one possession just prove that his contract was worth it or something. Is You know, this 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 is true in so many aspects of life, but less is more. And Jordan just has to do less. Let it come to you, uh, yeah. which is one of the hardest things to do in any job, man, especially when people start pressing. Right. Um, Eric, so the three people I have, just the three possibilities I had on here uh, on my notes, Jordan Poole, Wiggins, and Kerr was the third guy I had. What do you think, man? I mean, what, what, who, whose role is most important now as we venture into a world without Curry? I think Kerr is fixing to start Anthony Lamb. So I think that he's doing... Um, I think Jay hit it the first time. I think that it's got to be Jordan Poole. Um, and I don't necessarily mean that to say that, you know, he's the, the next best player. I just think about how the roster is constructed and the type of basketball the Warriors play. We hear a lot of talk about how, you know, the league's going to be in trouble because Poole is coming up under Curry's tutelage and is learning how to play like this guy. And just the way with the motion offense – and the way that they move the basketball, off-ball movement, I feel like it's got to be pool. And if it's not, if if he doesn't do the things that we need him to do as a Curry disciple, I think we're in big trouble, man. I think we're going to start dropping games like crazy. Um, my ace in the hole would be my man KT11. If if Clay could string together some hot streaks, man, he, he might be able to buy us some wins while 
while stuff's healing up, but you're not wrong. Quick intervene. Just got an email from, from the Warriors official update. Warriors guard Stephen Curry, who suffered an injury with 204 remaining in the third quarter of last night's game in Indiana, underwent an MRI in Philadelphia. The MRI confirmed that Curry experienced a left shoulder sublate sub. I can't even say that word. Subluxation. Subluxation. (laughs) A timeline for his return will be provided in the next coming day. Okay. Um, that made me feel hell of important to be a part of that email. I like, I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. And we got to watch both of you. We got to watch the medical professional and the sports professional weigh in. So that was awesome. I have nothing to add. Uh, If you guys want, I can breathe deeply into this mic. Maybe that'll make people happy, but beyond that, if you hadn't forgot that pop filter, uh, you can tell tell that emailer that that we, we already got it taken care of, man. The heavy breathing (laughs) will soon be stopped. Um, to pick up the question. So I want to say Wiggins, but we've seen what happens, and I'll change a little bit of what Jason said. Not just when he is the first option. When Wiggins has expectations, things seem to change a little bit. You know, he, he got named an all-star. Suddenly we all expected him to play as an all-star, and for a few months, yeah, it wasn't there. It, it took a while for him to get back up, and I don't like a world where he feels he needs to be the main guy on this team. It, like, History has shown that that's not the best outcome. Um, and so I will agree with you guys. I think it's Jordan Poole. We've heard all, all year. We heard in the offseason. Steph Light, he's the next Steph. He's, that's how they're envisioning him. That's the role. Well, here we go. <laughs> if, if he has any of that in him, now's the time to show it. So hopefully he will step up. And I, I don't want to downplay Kerr. Um, I think managing that locker room and how they are feeling is going to be real important. Figuring out how the roles go forward and what bus- like buttons to push, I think that's going to be an issue. So we are we're, we're going to have to uh, we're going to have to deal with all that. I lost concentration because we apparently lost Eric. Hopefully he will come back. But it's your turn, anyways, Maxine. What do you think, man? Who's most important? So I I, I want to put it you know in the context of how you actually just asked the question, right? Who's the most important person? Um, who's the most important player while Steph is out. And I think that could be looked at in two ways, right? Like rebuilding teams, which you are not right now, but we, rebuilding teams aren't necessarily trying to win games. They're trying to figure out how to get all the pieces involved, how to, how to help these players grow. And if we're looking at it in that context, I really do think it is Jordan Poole. We got to get him back to the place where you know we expected him to be when we gave him this big contract. If no. we're actually talking about, uh, okay, wanting to make it to the postseason and, and beyond, um, I think Kerr kind of speaks to something that we need to get at a little bit. And shout out this guy, uh, Chico, in the comments, right? I I agree. I think it's actually Draymond. Um, The deal is, you know, offense wins games in the regular season, but it's the defense that wins championships. And Draymond has the specific uh, special sauce to actually get this thing together, and it's not happening on the defensive end yet. And if we need, we need somebody like him to be leading. And I think that, you know, that's what puts these pieces in place. Steph already knows how to operate in those frameworks on both sides of the ball or, or on both sides of the court. So we don't have to stress about him inserting back into that lineup. But I think right now is a great opportunity for us to refine our defensive identity. I mean, that's a great take. And also, if you had paused time and asked me to pick a phrase I did not think would be a part of your take, special sauce would have been one of the things I would have thrown in there. So you are defying expectations, man. Um Let's go to our second question. And Maxine, if you wouldn't mind, pull up the schedule so we can follow it along. So the, the question itself is, what will the record or the Warriors record be while Steph is out? And it sounds like 
you know, if you listen to the Warriors, they, you know, the timeline will come in the coming days. You listen to Shams, that's going to be at least two weeks. So let's figure that out. Um, if it is going to be three weeks is what I looked at. Uh, it's going to be 10 games, four of which are on the road, six are at home. Looks like if it's going to be two weeks, it will be eight games. Um, and then if we go forward here, if it's four weeks, it's 12 games, eight at home, four on the road. And then I know no one's saying this, but if it's five weeks, 16 games, eight at home, eight on the road. So let's assume kind of a middle ground. Let's say it's not two weeks, but it's three. So they play 10 games, four on the road, six at home. Uh, Three weeks would be until January 5th. So what do you boys think? If it's 10 games, four on the road, six at home, we're looking at the matchups they would have. So it, it rolls until that January 4th matchup right there. What do you think the record will be? Right off the bat, that's a really good thing because that January 7th game against Orlando, I mean, I don't know if you guys know our record yet against Orlando this season, but it's not good. So no, chalk that up to a loss right away no matter what. That's unfortunate. And sarcasm aside, I mean, we, we at least have, looking at the record, we are at the outset of a road stretch. We knew, but after the next four, the Warriors also have a long home stretch and they've been very good at chase. So, you know, I'm glad it at least happened then. So... 10 games coming up. Um, what do you boys think? What, what, what's the predicted record? Three and seven. Ouch. Eric, do you agree? We're definitely losing the four away games. <laughs> it's just the way the season's gone. Uh, looking at it, I think that um, I think we beat the Knicks. I think we're going to drop three of those four away games. We should. The Grizzlies game is going to be tough without Steph. Um, I think that. I think we go. I, I'll call it five and five. I'll, I'll take five and five. Oh. Yeah, that's that's optimistic. But I think that that's if they can start stringing some things together. Um, yeah, I'm probably wrong though. It's probably I'll hold on to the five and five. I didn't know that. I, I mean, I, I of course I knew that Memphis played us on Christmas Day. I just forgot that Christmas Day is coming up. This sucks. I, I, I fucking hate that we're playing the Grizzlies without Steph. Uh, the ticket prices might drop, though. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. I, can, I can go in the building and be really angry in person. I'm not sure that's a, uh, a best-case scenario. I, my heart says six and four, but that's not happening. Um, yeah. My head yeah. says four and six, so I'll, I'll hedge. I'll follow Eric. I'll go five and five. Maxime? Wow, there's a, a relative lot of optimism here. I'm actually all the way on that two and eight. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not really excited about what's coming up. I think we're going to drop yeah. off our look. The Knicks look nice right now. That's that's not a joke of a team as it's been in past years. We're dropping it against the Grizzlies. There's just no way they're they're still going to be so fired up. John Morant is fantastic. I, you know, th I think we could come away from the Hornets. Um, the Jazz are still a little bit scary. I mean, you know, Dame's going off in Portland. It's just not a great time with Steph out. It's not a good-looking team. Jason, worst case, all right? Let's say he misses five weeks. They're not saying that. I'm not saying that. There's no reason to believe that. It'll be fine, all right? But five weeks means 16 games. Curry misses 16 games in five weeks. Can the Warriors make the playoffs? Yeah, they can make the playoffs. Would you, you bet gotta remember, that? Like, you got to remember, like, seeds like 7 through 11 all suck. Yep. Too. It's not like 
it's not like these joggernauts are running away in yeah. the standing. So they'll be right around. Like honestly, they could they could go like five and fifteen in twenty games, and then in the next ten, if they win like eight of ten, be right there again. Yeah. The the way I phrased that was terrible. Let me phrase it a different way. If you had to bet something significant to you, right? Rent payment, year salary. I mean, you know, a number that meant something to you. Right. And, you, and, and so we now know that Steph is going to miss in this fictional reality. Steph's going to mix 16 games and you have to bet it one way or the other. The Warriors make the playoffs or they don't. Where would you bet it? I bet that they make it. Let's go. Eric, yeah, you me share too. that? Me too. I that? agree. Yeah, no, the, I mean, they're going to be in the playoffs. We joke about the Wemby, Wemby sweepstakes, but like to be clear, like there's no there's no reality in which we lose enough games that we're getting the first overall pick in the draft. Like this is, yeah. And just to, just to add to that, right? Like there's no doubt that Wemby, that people want Wembenyama. And so when you get to near the end of the, of the regular season, things are going to start shaking out into a tank race real fast. And you know who doesn't mm. want to be in that tank race? The Golden State Warriors. Steph is going to be back for the playoffs. We have it's so long as Steph Curry is on the Golden State Warriors, we have a champion chance at a championship. So there's no way they're going to want to tank out of it. And other teams are absolutely going to want to take into it. So I don't think it's going to be as hard as we might think based on the standings the way they are right now for us to actually make it into the playoffs. Surprise me. I wasn't even going to ask you the question because I was afraid you're going to give me another super depressing answer. But it turns out, no, you had some optimism. Um, it's a good lead to the next one. And Jason, this question kind of triggers what you were talking about up front. Quote, December 15th today marks the start of trade season as 90% of the league's players become available for trade on that date. Before the Curry shoulder disaster, everybody wanted Myers to consider a trade. Now that SC30 is out, do you think Golden State should still be looking to improve their roster? What do you think? Absolutely. I, I've i been saying it since before the season. Once once GP2 didn't come back and, and Otto, although they barely even played all year. I don't think GP2's even played this year yet. Uh, and I think Otto just came back. But, um, yeah, I, I think they should make a trade. I think they need to get another veteran who can contribute um you know the only untouchable young guy in my opinion is Kaminga Kaminga yeah Moody Wiseman I don't even think I don't think Poole is eligible to get traded because he because of that contract he just signed Mm -hmm. but I'm not sure what you can get with a like a Wiseman Moody package especially because they haven't really even been showcased the right way Mm -hmm. but the Warriors need some guys who are battle tested, some guys who can come in and produce, some guys who Steve Kerr will trust. Uh, and, and I'm all for that. Whether you gotta, you have to attach somebody, just do it. Just get get another guy in there. They need another dude. I, the the trading Wiseman while he's in the G League is like trying to sell a car while it's yeah. in the shop. You know, it's like it's a hard so ass. Like, no, but it will that. be fine. It's gonna be fine. They're fixing it. They're fixing it right now, and it's gonna be worth so much money. Um, Eric, what do you They're think? So man? focused on Wemby, man. They're like, oh, he's the first overall pick. He's gonna be the best player in the league. And I'm like, well, can I interest you in a second overall pick? Who's the best <laughs> player in the G League? Well, that's <laughs> the thing. That's the thing. You want to, you'd hope, even even if it's a rental because it's it's an expiring contract or it's a team like where it's like, look, 
we don't really care because we want to get the first pick. We'll get we'll we'll take less value because it's actually helping us lose more games. You know, mm-hmm. so the Warriors got to come up on something like that. Yeah, I'd, the I'd, in my mind, the the biggest reason the Warriors should consider a trade is what I've been calling internally the uh, Spider Man rule. So you know, uh, with great power comes great responsibility. With Steph being who the fuck he is, the Warriors have the responsibility to give him the roster that can win a goddamn title. You know, I mean, it just is what it is. We're not going to see anybody else like him, and they need to capitalize on it now. But that's what muddies the water for me now because I don't know when Steph comes back. You know, I don't, I don't know that I'd like to have a little bit more information. Eric, what do you think, man? If you're Bob Myers and right now you're sitting on the information, MRI came back, fairly clean, subluxation. I have no idea what that means. I'm sure you do. The, the if, if he's dealing with this, you know the problems with the team. Are you active in the trade market immediately? I think that um, we've, we've seen Myers over the years not be super aggressive on the trade market. I think that he would also tell you that he's always looking, that uh, despite what people think, he's always looking. He's answering the phone when it rings. But, uh, you know, maybe it's hubris, but I don't think that they trade just to trade. I don't. like. And uh, when I think about trading these young guys, which I'm not averse to at all, I just need to see names of players that I am convinced are going to move the needle. Otherwise, like, what are we doing, you know? If that makes sense, yes, of course the it names does. That I think I think Caruso is interesting, uh, yep. defensive player, but his contract is longer than yep. than what you'd want to lock in, so it doesn't really fit. Uh, I know people are talking about Miles Turner a lot, but like, do we want to do that? Just barely scraped out a win against the Steph Draymond less Warriors. How about got two rebounds? Like, <laughs> I heard a name today, not sexy at all, but playoff tested. Eric Gordon, any interest? Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah, but I'm looking for more like I think I'm looking more of like a a guy who can play like the three, four, and maybe even five in like a small lineup. Like yeah. you bring in a guy like Aaron Gordon, who's good. Don't get me wrong. I like Aaron mm-hmm. Gordon. Um he's you know, he's a specialist. He'll come in and get buckets, but like then it just where do the shots come from? Like when you also have Jordan Poole and play Thompson and Wiggins. I'm thinking like we need like two more role players who Steve Kerr is actually going to trust and they'll contribute. Like look at the Jazz's roster. They're they were trying to tank, but they got a bunch of like pretty solid players who I can see. Like what about like Jared Vanderbilt? Okay. Um, like a six nine guy, probably averages like ten and six, ten and seven. And he he can hit the three. He will play defense. He doesn't need shots. He'll do this, he'll do what Otto Porter did Porter did. You know what I mean? You need guys who don't Need guys who will produce, help get wins without a lot of usage. Uh, I love that name. I'll give you another similar one. Jay Crowder, any interest there? The Suns won't yeah. get him to him. That's, that's the fucking like, problem. He, he's yeah. perfect. Yeah. He's perfect. He's exactly like that's the pipe dream. Yep. And and a chip on his shoulder. You know what I mean? Like he can come here. Coming up over and over. Kyle Kuzma. What do you think about that? Absolutely. Yeah. Another guy just – he probably needs a little more usage, but like he's talented – he, he's won a championship. He would help. And the thing is, the, the most important thing is someone who Steve Kerr would trust. Because I honestly think Moody could be that guy ultimately, but Steve Kerr clearly doesn't really. trust him the way he should. Yeah. So it's almost like it's a waste of him being on the roster. Uh, how about any Chicago Bulls? I think they're going to blow it up. Um, and, and it would take too much. I mean, we, we're not doing this in an official capacity. I actually had some fake trades. And then the well, state who's on the Bulls. 
The I mean the you know Vucevic if we had any interest Zach Levine would be helpful but they'd have to give up way too much you know like to, to start with Vooch do you guys care at all for Vooch? Not really. Yeah. Um, Not really. He he doesn't. You need the center to defend, and he doesn't defend. He couldn't defend you. Vooch is a, he could. You have no idea how shitty I am. A story I'll tell you. In a minute, <laughs> but, um, Vooch is the kind of guy Golden State would have gotten under Cohan. He's, he's a dude who got stats that they'd given ass ton of money. They did it. Uh, Corey Maggette was one of those fucking dudes. We, we had a bunch of them. Like, he did well in other teams. He had stats, but stats that never led to anything. And Vooch is kind of that guy. And I'm not sure that, that Kerr would believe in him. Um, Zach Levine is an interesting name and is in that three, four, you know, uh, or two, three, four slot. But I don't, money wise, it would require far too much. You know, it's one of those sacrificial, like Clay or Draymond inclusions that, I don't think works. Um, yeah, that's and especially not fourth that dude. I, I've thrown this name out to other people. What do you guys think, Carl Anthony Towns? Ooh, I mean he's good, but remember to get a player that good, you got to give up. What are you giving up? Soulless. No, you'd have to give up your soul. It's Clay or Draymond. I mean, you would. You know, like th- those dudes um, right. with the Wiggins yeah. extension. Like you, 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 you don't make to, that move. Yeah, you'd have you to give up a statue. Move. I mean, that's what you're doing, right? Like for those no, big yeah, guys. Yeah, not, for, not for Cat. If you're coming off on Draymond and Clay, it's going to have to be someone who carries the culture too. Like you bring in, like, I don't trust Cat. Cat's not a culture carrier. I what agree. do you mean? That's not me saying Cat's a bad dude or anything, but he's not like, you don't blow up just the fabric of your organization for Carl Anthony Towns. No. You, well, have you factored in Jimmy Butler calling him a giant bitch? Does that make you feel better? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like nothing against Carl Anthony Towns, but you need like if you're going to blow up, you need more substance. If you're going to blow up your organization and like the fabric of it, you need a guy like, gosh, man, Anthony Davis is the name that's coming to mind to me. Would you? And do I've that? been pretty, and I've been pretty outspokenly anti Anthony Davis, and obviously. He's like strung together numbers of really good games now, but that's the type of player that if you were to blow it up, could make a fucking huge difference Hell. next to Steph Curry and the rest of the Yeah. Season. Oh yeah. I mean, like you'd you'd maybe walk into a title. Um, it, it, yeah. the I mean the the thing that's always held back Davis right it isn't his skill set. It's his injury history. I mean, if if so, to, yeah. to use the thing I was talking about before, if I had to bet a significant amount of money that you know meant something to me, and my two options were. Davis plays the rest of the season healthy. Davis has an injury that cuts his season short. I'm I'm betting the injury yeah, in, yeah. in a heartbeat. You know, it just is what it you'd is. You'd have to you'd have to look at so in order for Davis to be moved, I think the Lakers would have to be resigned to the fact that they're not doing shit this year. Yeah. And I don't know that they feel that way. Yeah. Um, but if they suddenly felt like, hey, fuck it, we're we're not gonna win, like we may as well do try, you know? <laughs> I think something like Draymond Green, Wiseman Moody. Or like some package of, I mean, obviously they're going to try and pull Kaminga and you try and not do that. But what can you give them that would be enticing for their future? Send Draymond to go play with LeBron. You'd have to like, if you had a, a relationship with Jeannie Buss, you'd have to send a text be like, so is this your team or LeBron's? It's weird that LeBron seems to be running all of this and yeah. your name's getting thrown. Like, I don't know, is this what you wanted to have happen? Is it Mo- Moody's a clutch guy, right? Isn't Moody's with clutch? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly right. See where Wiseman it goes. with clutch as well. We uh, make this happen. Eric, keep the mic and give me some optimism because this next question is directed immediately to you. What has Eric, the Reddit guru, seen with Wiseman and Santa Cruz? 
Slow improvements, man. Uh, there's going to be a contingency of Warriors fans that are going to hate on every single thing this man does. I think that you need to keep it in context. Uh, he's in the G League. This These are still good basketball players, but the talent disparity between a G League player and a certified NBA player is is big. It's yep. There's a big difference. Um, I think that instead of looking at stat lines, uh, if you're trying to evaluate James Wiseman, you need to look at the deficiencies that you've found in him by watching tape in the past and look for improvements on those things. We've seen some slow improvement in that. Um, I saw a clip where um, he was just occupying the key and, and just in someone's space when they're trying to drive to the basket. And some commenter came in and like, bro's playing defense while on offense. And it's like, and it's happening over and over. And we kept seeing Steph Curry being impacted and having less scoring when they shared the court together. And I think that there's merit to that, to those yeah. numbers. And um, I've seen him and I've talked to him about it. Actually, Santa Cruz is really interesting, man, because there's the media coverage is not robust. And so when we interview post games, it's a, it's in a hallway that goes between the stadium and the locker room. And it's almost like you go out. It's kind of outside. It looks like a shipping container has been attached to the stadium <laughs> and you're walking like up this ramp and you can see like the corrugated shipping container on the side. And there's like a little plexiglass roof. There's like, they have like some towels on the ground, catching some rainwater and like Wiseman's like trying to not get hit by the rainwater. Um, so what he told me is that he's looking to improve his, his, like presence being in the right spot at the right time. And I do feel like we're seeing that noticeably that uh, he's clearing out and he's becoming much more acquainted with being in the dunker spot, which is truly where I think that he could flourish on this team. If he can figure out how to get there at the right times. Um, Obviously he's asserting some offensive dominance. He's getting seven or eight dunk attempts a game, which even if he doesn't convert all of them, that you've got someone that can do that over and over automatically imposes a physical presence that has to be dealt with. So, you know, there's some of that stuff that we've seen before, but the stuff I'm more interested in is those improvements with spacing with catching errant passes um, and finding a body to get up on the O glass. And I think that we're seeing some improvements there. Yeah. How is it? How are his hands? I mean, like that catching errant passes is a big one for me. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely gathering more than he would. And then the passes are bad a lot of times in the G. Like, it's just, (laughs) I remember seeing that with Mugbe, Salem Mugbe. Like, they're throwing it into his kneecaps over and over. It's it's tough. Um, But he's pulling him in. He really is. Um, I think that we're seeing what you would hope to see from a number two overall pick slumming it in the G. Uh, He's performing. And um, I think that he, yeah, I think he should, maybe he gets called up because they'll get more minutes for him with Steph out. But I think wherever he's getting minutes is where he needs to be. I I, I love that update. And, on, you know, if, if he's listening, then we believe in you. Keep optimism. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that I got to me, remember that that quote from Utah uh, when he first came up and they asked him, you know, what's what's one of the things you're happy about? He goes, look, I, I'm just happy to have big hotel rooms again. You know, I want to <laughs> yeah. be like NBA treatment. That that guy found himself in a basically outdoor interview room is fucking scandalous. That like that, that's yeah. an that's an unfortunate reality. Jason, what's your Wiseman stock, man? Are you holding? You selling? Where where are you on James? Um, well, I was never as high as the consensus, dating all the way back to his high school days. I'm a big. I, I always followed the high school recruiting trail. They've fallen on extremely hard times, but. 
at one point, Syracuse basketball was really good and they were recruiting high-level kids. So I was like really keen on who's getting recruited and who's up and who's down. So, and that's just stuck even since Syracuse has, they stink now. So I remember always just being like, mm, Wiseman, like he has, he has the measurables. I didn't see anything else. Now I'm not, I'm not some talent scout guru, you know, I'm, I don't fancy myself as that. Like, but you know, I've been around basketball my whole life, so I think I know a little bit. Um, and I just didn't really always see it, and there hasn't been much to change my opinion two, three years later. So that's really where I am on him. A uh, great young guy, and I wish him the best, and I root for him because he's extremely likable. But uh, I just don't think – I haven't seen anything to lead me to believe that he can help maximize Steph play Draymond's window and I'm just of the belief that man even if you even if the, if if you can maximize the percentage of Steph Clay and Draymond mainly Steph getting rings whether it's one more two more three more do everything to maximize that even if it might mean you might be the joke of the league for the next seven years once they leave I think you just got to because at the end of the day, Steph's what? At, at lowest top 20? When you, got, when you got a talent like that, you just fuck everything else. Fuck thinking for the future. Think now. Now, I get why someone like Bob Myers or Joe Lacob will have their mind on the future. But I just think – I think Wiseman – and I also just don't think Steve Kerr is the coach for Wiseman. Steve Kerr has never traditionally trusted young guys. Yeah. He's not really known for his development. He he he's a great manager of personalities. He's good at X and O's, and he's a culture culture guy. Yep. He's not he's not really invested in like bringing along these young guys. So it's not even fair to James the situation he is in. I think Kerr would tell you that. I mean, I think he would tell you that straight out. He, he had a quote earlier this year where he essentially said, look, I'm not a college coach. You know, this is not something I have ever done. Um, and what you just said did a better job of what I was trying to say with the Spider-Man thing. You know, with great power comes responsibility. This is, we are never going to see a player who is more talented at the sport of basketball than Steph Curry in Golden State. This is it. This is our apex. And we fucking got a great one. You know, they, they have, we got incredibly lucky. We've got a difference maker. It's not going to happen again. This is it. And so if this is it, then you have, you, you owe it to them. You have a responsibility. You've got to surround them. Now, I mean, I'm not saying give up on Wiseman. I, mean, I think there's a reality where Wiseman is going to be a double-edged sword. If he does get traded, because I believe in him, I think he'll end up in another system. He's going to be good. And then it's going to, you know, we'll, we will have given up on a very talented player but whatever it is that they can do to maximize on who Steph is right now, I'm on board for that. I think you got to. I think you owe it to him. That's me. It's like, who cares if he goes somewhere else and he's good? If, yep. if the Warriors are still successful, who cares? Yeah. So like, it's the thing where it's like people are upset that they took Wiseman over uh, my man Mello. Yep. And I can see why. It's pretty obvious why people will be upset with that. But the way I look at it, at the end of the day, who cares? The Warriors won a ring since. Yep. No yep. Like, when we look back in 10 years, who's what are you going to remember? That the Warriors don't have mellow or that championship parade when Steph was shitting all over Boston? What do you no, remember? That's fucking right. Well, and uh, 
Somebody recently told me, and I thought it was a, a, a smart little way to phrase it, that judging Wiseman now is like tasting pasta after only cooking it for a minute. You know, it's not ready. It takes super longer. But the longer analogy on that is that's true, but we're eating dinner right now. You know, and so like we can't, you can't wait. But like this is it. This is the time. I'm sure he will be great when he's done, but we're ready for it now. So what can we do? Um, boys, we've kept you up for almost an hour. This next question is aimed at me and it's going to trigger an embarrassing story that is basically me just talking for a while. So if you guys have other things in your life, I completely understand, you know, and, and we can close it out with you now and, and uh, make sure that everybody knows where to find your work. If you want to hear me make a fool of myself and sit back, um, you know, no problem. It's a choose your own adventure. So what do you think, boys? You got, uh, you got about six minutes here or should we say goodbye? And, uh, no, I got you said, yeah. Six. Yeah. I got to hear this shit. Embarrass yeah. yourself, please. That's unfortunate. Yeah. That's that's very fucking unfortunate. Well, it is what it is, and let's all share it. So here's the question. Quote, Bram, stop stalling. <laughs> what happened in the Splash Challenge? All right, so some background, boys. We're going to go way back before I actually get to even this year. Way back. I grew up playing basketball. Um, it was kind of a, an identity for me. I grew up playing competitively all the way through high school. And I wasn't incredible, dude, but I was good enough. Uh, my first year at Skyline, I was the only fucking white dude in the league. Um, and, you know, we, we did okay. And the only value I ever brought to any team was shooting jump shots. Couldn't fucking play defense for to save my life. I hated oh, right it. With a shooter, shot. Exactly. That's exactly right. Every time I got out on the fucking floor, someone would scream, he could probably shoot. I had a... Fremont Jim chanted uh, Opie at one point, and I, I did not handle it well. I handled it really fucking poorly. But anyways, I grew up thinking of myself as a jump shooter, if nothing else. You know, and it, in, in a lot of ways, it was my identity. Fast forward to this year, 2022. I don't play a lot of hoop. I don't play really hoop at all. I'll bring my seven-year-old out. But internally, I still view myself like that. Like, uh, if given the chance, of course I could shoot. Okay, now. Fast forward to last week, the Warriors gave us that chance to do this MVP experience. And you boys know half of it, all right? The first part of it, they let you in. It's all no pressure. You go and fucking pose with the ring. You stand with the trophy. All of that's where I met you, Jason. The thing we haven't talked about is after you do that, at the end of the game, they let you walk down to the floor and they give you 45 seconds to take as many shots as you want. And from different locations, it's up to you. If you shoot layups are worth two points, free throw, five, three-pointers, 20, half court, 50. And really what this should be is just a fun thing, dude. You know, something for me to go down and, and have some fun on the floor. What it became was a mind fuck. I decided that, like, this is the most important thing I've ever done. And, like, if I – it's my chance to show the world that I can still shoot. And yeah. the worst possible decision. And I'll give you guys a little bit of glimpse into that. Eric – I met and, and Jason at halftime and I met his lovely wife as well. And I bought all of us beers. Eric, what you don't know is when we parted ways, I threw my beer away, dude. Cause I was like, I gotta be ready. I gotta be ready for this. Like this thing can fucking fall apart. All right. So now fast forward to the actual thing. Yeah. The way it happens is you, the game ends. I'm, you know, I'm excited. We've just beat Boston and they, they walk you down from the end zone down onto the floor. And so I'm now walking down to a court where my favorite team has won a championship. This should be like walking down fucking Main Street in Disneyland. And instead, it's like walking to the gallows. I am, I am so nervous about it, and I'm so concerned. And we get onto the floor, and my wife looks to me and says, you look nervous. 
And she I, like, I made some kind of half statement. She turns back around and internally I'm thinking, I hate you. Like, I know why'd you say that? Like, of course I'm nervous. The first person up is an eight year old boy. Everybody's rooting for him because it's an eight year old, but that's a misnomer. Not everybody. I was rooting completely against him, dude. I wanted him to be terrible and he was not. He made hella shots. I hated this little kid. I started You're immediately a sick man. Oh, dude. And I was like, am I going to have to go after him? Like, I, I was intimidated by this fucking eight-year-old. All right? And I didn't, thankfully, I didn't have to go after him. So we started up, and Franco Finn is, uh, is announcing this thing. And so when I come out, Franco Finn has a mic, and then there are various people on, on the side basically lining the, uh, the key. And the idea is that they get the ball and give it off to you. So I go out, take a few layups. You know, those go okay. And then I go to the free throw line and I'd like to tell you boys how many shots I missed. I missed all of them from what I can tell, but I basically fucking blacked out, dude. I have no, like it was a clusterfuck of failure. And so like Ooh. all I have, are, it's like these slideshow moments, one of them. And here's the worst, by far the worst. I'm out there taking shots, you know, and again, I'm battling this identity of like, I thought I'm so good. And oh my God, is that happening? The one of the people on the side who are getting the rebounds at one point says, you're hitting the rim, which was the worst. It was like a verbal participation award, dude. Like I've never, it was, it was unbelievably bad. Things just got worse and worse. And uh, the, as we get out of there, you have to take an escalator on the way up. So we leave the court. I'm catatonic. I'm making my wife feel so like awkward. She's, she's desperately trying to make me feel better. And the, the, one of the people who organized it says, how many did you guys score? And I just stared and looked at him and didn't say anything. Just remained completely silent, <laughs> making it hell of awkward for everybody. Um, Jose, the guy who organized the whole thing and who gave me the opportunity, ran up to me and said, I, I got a video. I got a video for you. I erased that fucking video faster than anyone's ever erased anything. Like just like immediately threw it out. I'm sure Jose still has it. Jose, if you're listening, erase yeah. it. <laughs> Jose, send this to me. GSWreddit no. at gmail.com. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna tweet it. And and just to finish out how fucking depressing it is, um, and Maxine, we've got the video, go ahead and roll it. Uh, this isn't me, but it's a very accurate portrayal. After the game, I go home. And what we're looking at here is a clip from Arrested Development. I go home, I'm with my wife, you know, my my dog and shit. And instead of laying in bed, I lay on the floor, face down, looking at the carpet like this, just like my man is right here and stayed there for, I don't know, long enough, you know? So to answer this gentleman's question, stop selling what happened to Santa Cruz, terrible failure, terrible, unbelievable, all incorporating failure. So there it is, man. I, um, we had and these over- were the free throws. They were breaking the free throws. Free throw. I mean, yes. According to that woman, I was hitting rim. I guess I should be did happy it, for that. Did uh, it cross your mind at some point, like fuck it, I'm just gonna chuck half court shots because no one expects me to make these? <laughs> God damn! I wish I had. Dude, that, that's Eric, the move. If I could go back, I'd take 45 seconds worth of fucking layups. You know, and yeah. just come out of there. You know, but but what if uh, you start missing those layups, man? You got to <laughs> you got to shoot the half court. Shot. It's possible. It's definitely possible. I should have just punched that eight year old in the face and ran out of there. Like I, I don't know, man. Like, it was. It it honestly could not have gone worse. 
And Jose, give and, me that video. As long as I'm, uh, as long as I'm throwing myself under the bus, as we leave, my wife, you know, she's just trying to be nice, dude. I mean, that's all she's doing. And she goes, well, like, at least we had a great experience tonight. And I go, at least you had a great experience. I wish this whole thing didn't happen. So, dude, you're the fucking worst, bro. <laughs> no, I am. I, I mean, we will apparently end this when we started it. I need therapy, boys. I need therapy very badly. Um, and it is what it is. So, Jason, I think that Vucevic could guard me. Turns out, you know, all he needs to do is just fucking leave me alone. Send him to the line. Put Franco Finn on me and call it a day. Uh, but it was a gigantic failure. And hopefully one I will get to repeat. You know, Jose, if you're out there, you know, give me another shot. Uh, and, and at the risk of underselling it. That experience, the MVP thing, was awesome. It was absolutely awesome. And if just going, if I could have just gone down, I'm like, fuck it, dude, just enjoy being on the floor. You know, it would have been a totally different thing. But I was deep in my head. Um, and so I even had a little bit of sympathy for Jason Tatum choking. And I was like, oh, I feel you. You know, like, oh. I, I, that's how I tried to make myself feel better. So anyways, um, that's how it ultimately went down. Boys, I appreciate your patience uh, more than that. Appreciate your takes. This was awesome. We really love having you on. Hopefully we can do this shit again. Jason, let's start with you, man. I'm not alone. For people who need way more Jason Dumas in their life, where should they turn? Uh, you can catch me every night. Well, Sunday through Thursday on Channel 4 in the Bay Area, Crown 4 News. My sports cast hit usually around 645, 845, 945, and 1045. So I'm on four different shows. Then on Sunday nights, I'm on from 1030 to 1130, so an hour. And, uh, yeah, that's where you can touch me. Other than that, social media, Jay Dumas reports. Boom. How about you, Eric? If we uh, want to get some more of your takes or uh, any of your humor, even your kindness, man, where do they go? Yeah, find me on Twitter at GSW Reddit or join us over reddit.com slash r slash warriors and uh, join the conversation there. And um, yeah, that's where you'll catch me. For us, you want to get us a take? Tell me you're embarrassed of my performance. Give us a question to answer anything. You can shoot that email to huddle at warriorshuddle.com. And our only presence on uh, social media is at, or I'm sorry, on Twitter. And that one's at Warriors Huddle. With that in mind, go Warriors. And hopefully, we'll see you next week. Good, good. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.